There's nothing worse than being someone who enjoys art, yet you lack the artistic ability to create your own. Or maybe you spend hours in Target or other stores, browsing through home decor and prints, trying to find ones to perfectly fit into your home, only to discover that the quality is poor and it's so mass-produced that literally everyone has the exact same thing. So step away from those overproduced and often cheaply made prints and look to a talented woman and LGBTQ owned company that specializes in creating various forms of art, including high quality prints, stickers, and even moon wreaths. Yes, we said moon wreaths, and they are beyond amazing. If you're looking to help support an individual instead of a large company, and you're interested in obtaining unique, handcrafted art pieces and decor, check out our partner, August Moon Artworks. They're an up-and-coming art company that will no doubt wow you with the items that they've put out that are all crafted by a single, very talented individual. If this sounds like something you're interested in, head on over to Instagram and follow our friend at August Moon Artworks to see their work and email augustmoonartworks at gmail.com if you're interested in obtaining any of these super awesome pieces. We promise you're not going to be disappointed. Hey everybody, welcome to Queer Fears. My name's Kylie. I'm Cassie. And I'm T. How are you guys feeling this beautiful evening? Uh, I'm doing good. I think it's a good time for us to do a little check-in with each other. Two out of the three of us have successfully, I would say, completed an episode or two episodes. So how are you guys (laughs) feeling about it, you guys? What are your thoughts on the whole process? I'm not feeling great. <laughs> Wake up I'm just going to throw out there like a bag of shit. that I just heard a very loud scream that showed up on my thing, and I'm kind of living in a sketchy place right now, so I'm sorry if you heard that. I did. Why are you always contributing special effects to our <laughs> podcast? We I had lived- thunder last one. We got real life screams of terror this time because you're in the hood. I live somewhere where you should just expect the unexpected so also is your cat like howling in the background cassie i'm pretty sure i hear <laughs> luna just like meowing luna <laughs> is that is my spooky sound effect she is a black cat we're ready for spooky God, season I need a sound effect stark where are you at <laughs> i don't i don't know start come here Damn drag. yeah well you guys you guys got a little off topic here i was asking how y'all were feeling about this whole process oh, i did i sang the bo burnham song it was, all right so you yeah. feel like a bag of shit but how does yeah no you can't you can't feel like a bag of shit about our podcast I know. No, I don't. I don't feel like a bag of shit about our podcast. I'm loving our podcast, and I feel like people are loving it too. Also, just real quick plug. Shout out to our listener Keely. She sent me a message. I sent it to you guys as well mm-hmm. with some recommendations for cases. So we love to get recommendations, and you'll get a shout out too if you give us some recommendations. And Keely, that episode might be coming at you pretty soon so just uh stay tuned i did a lot of work on our website recently and i'm super super proud of it so if you haven't checked out our website at queerfearspodcast.com you should because i think it looks pretty nice aesthetically pleasing and i'm very proud of it so just just take a little take a little looky look it is at our website yeah it does look great 
I, uh, I third that. It looks pretty good, and everybody should check it out. Uh, we are going to start a blog portion on it as well, right, Kai Kai? Yes. Yeah, so that's in the works. I'm sorry, guys, that this episode's a couple days later than before. The Messy Queen is messy doing this queen. week's episode. God, I stay messy. I just want y'all to know I was on campus today and I just mindlessly walked onto the wrong bus. I get on and I literally look around and I'm like, damn, there's a lot of people on this bus for it only having like one stop before it heads back into the neighborhood. You and I was like, whatever, that's weird. Take a little trip and I stayed. Town. Why not? I did, and then fin- finally I got to the point where it would have normally turned, and I was like, yeah, that's not right. <laughs> I guess I'm on the wrong bus. So I got off, and I walked about 10 minutes back to my bus stop, because like I said before, it only stops in one spot on campus, and I park over in yeah. the neighborhood where it, it takes you. So I really didn't have a choice in the matter. So I walked back to where I had gotten picked up from originally. That's fair. And got that's on the right fair. bus. So if it, it makes I you just feel stay any messy, better, um, you know? update on my 800 caterpillar butterfly situation. I went to go check on them yesterday, and there was a mass cannibalism event that occurred, and so I'm down to oh, like shit. 50 butterflies now for my 800 caterpillars. Um, 50 yeah, out yeah, of so, 800. Uh, I. I may have done a little miscalculating in their spacing that they need to not eat each other and may have put a little too many in each tank, but it's science and we have to experiment. And so there was unfortunately mass cannibalism that occurred and now I have 50 butterflies instead of 800. So update there. I did not murder them. They murdered themselves and cannibalized each other. Also, I want to say that I know Cassie had a really great reaction to that. The only reason I didn't is because um tease my fiance and i already yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, special you, you you get uh information straight from the source huh i do i did i did already tell kylie as i was driving home i called her and said all of my caterpillars ate each other and she said oh no that's wild <laughs> oh no stay oh, tuned no. folks oh, for no, our no 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 oh no no stay tuned folks for our uh next episode that is caterpillar cannibalism dun, dun, dun. <laughs> caterpillar who gross. really is the murderer here yeah. is it uh, tea or is it nature nature nature's is, cruel nature's ruthless man nature ruthless. hath no mercy dude i have a co-worker and she snapchatted me one day she has reptiles and it was this snake well at first it was this cute little i mean cute mouse like cute and then the snake is next to it, and it freaking just attacks this mouse. And I'm just like, I I am traumatized still. Like, I get it. It's nature. But I was not expecting that. That is not the kind of Snapchats I need in my life <laughs> at all. But it happened. I witnessed it. The trauma's there. It's all good. The trauma just makes us funnier. It's fine. It does. We take our trauma, and we use it to our advantage. We are funnier because of it. Hell yeah, brother. Which we do realize is not a good coping mechanism, but it's too late. <laughs> We're too far gone. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I mean, this is a good little uh, sesh, getting people caught up on our lives. Yeah, so Cassie is going to be our next host here. Since me and T have both done one, she is our next host. Be afraid. <laughs> be very afraid. I got She's notes. been working on it. 
notes for a very on, long time. You know, I only went two days over. I got notes on top of notes <laughs> on top of notes. Like, they're everywhere. It's great. All right. So if you hear some shuffling of papers, just know it's Cassie shuffling through her 60 pages of notes on this case. I'm, I'm stacked. I'm stacked. <laughs> all right, guys. So since we're getting started, as you all know, we like to partake in a little bit of drinking of the adult beverage kind. But we understand if you're not into uh, drinking alcohol, grab whatever you got. If you like tea with your murder, that's cool. We are not going to discriminate. But if you are heathens like us... Grab your beer, grab your wine, grab your spirits, and let's get boozy, because this one's going to be a doozy. All right, so our case today, we're going across the pond, as they say. We're going to be going over to England for this case. Our suspect, the murderer, his name is Colin Ireland. Is he from Ireland? No, our killer was not from Ireland. Missed opportunities there, Mom. He was actually born in Dartford, Kent, which is a region that it's right outside of London. So he is from England. As compared to some of our other serial killers, our more known serial killers that we all talk about a lot, his childhood, they say some of them speculated, some of the sources I got speculated, that it was a rough childhood, which in a way it is. And I know we really shouldn't compare childhoods amongst, you know, other childhoods, like, because it's all about experiences and uh, how it affects you personally. But, like, just in general context, if we can just all get on, like, a general level here, his childhood wasn't nearly as tragic as some of the other ones. Like, you know, there's a lot of abuse and alcoholism and witnessing abuse to your other parent and stuff like that. Like, there's some, like, really sexual abuse. There's a lot of things that happen. And that really wasn't the case here. And so the only reason that I'm bringing this up is that it kind of like paints a picture for just like how much of a psychopath this guy truly was because he didn't necessarily have that extreme of a childhood, which we normally look to for like answers of why, why did this person turn out this way? So that's why I just wanted to go over that just a little bit because... This is a different guy. He is a straight-up monster. He was born to a 17-year-old was his mother. It didn't really, none of the sources I found really went in depth about his parents. They didn't really give names or any real information about them. All that it said was that she was 17 years old. She, the, the father had walked out on them shortly after he was born, and he never knew his father. He never knew his identity. It didn't talk about his identity anywhere that any of the sources I looked at. And this caused his mother to kind of struggle through life. She's, she was a single parent for a while. They lived in a lot of poverty, so he did have to deal with that. They moved often due to the living in poverty and financial situations, which could be, I can see how it can be abrupt. It can interrupt your life. It can make you feel unsettled. You know, you don't have a place to call your home, moving a lot and things like that. I mean, you and I, T, we've experienced a lot of that. We moved a lot. So we can kind of understand that part of that aspect of his childhood. But really, other than that, it just seems like his mother, for the most part, was doing the best she could. With what she had, she was young, it was back in the 50s, you know, that's not really a time where women were exactly single a lot, you know, 50s was all about like the, the, uh, the, the home with the father that works, the mom that stays home, you know, that's like your ideal image of the 50s. What is it called? Like the American dream? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nuclear family. Nuclear family. 
Yeah. yeah, for sure. And so that wasn't happening here. So I can understand where she struggled a lot. They lived with her parents for a little bit. One of my sources did say that in the 60s, which this part was kind of strange to me, and I don't really know how this works, but he was given up to foster care. She gave him up to foster care. So he was not with her for a while because she found out she was pregnant again. And I guess at this point she was married also. But again, none of the sources went in depth into like who she married or anything like that. So I don't have those details. Okay, just to keep the timeline straight. So how old was he whenever she gave him into foster care? I'm not sure. I'm going to have to do the math, T. You know, you're, oh, okay. the, you're, sorry. you're the math whiz. You tell me. What I don't remember that? what year he was born in. 1954. So... It was like six. You say in the 60s, you just have a specific yeah, year? Yeah, it doesn't have a specific year. It just said the 60s. So he was like six-ish or so, maybe a little bit old. Yeah, in the, the younger years of his life. But he was later reunited with her, and it didn't really specify a lot about that either. And this was actually only in a few of the sources. It wasn't in all of the sources. So a lot of his childhood, was it, was, it seems like speculation. Like there's not a lot of information on gotcha. absolutely. So we don't know how long he was in that. foster care. Yeah, no. It did not specify okay. that. And, and again, like this information I only saw in a few sources, and it was just as vague. Take it with a grain of salt. You know, I just want to kind of put out everything that I, I read so that we kind of have an idea because that is a little bit weird that that would have happened and maybe that can, you know, we can, that can help us see that, you know, that's weird and he experienced that in his childhood. So if he did, yeah. you know. That's that, why I was asking because, like, I don't, if we don't know his experience, like, of course, you were mentioning he had, like, a semi, a mostly, like, normal-ish childhood, but if he, like, went to foster care for a number of years and had something traumatic, then maybe, like, the psychosis there kind of happened and so that's why i was curious but it's right okay if you don't know. yeah no there's really not a lot of information on his um background as far as that was concerned it was very vague it did mention and i think one of the sources that he did experience some bullying and stuff as in his younger years so maybe some of that happened as well but, but again we all and no we aren't killing people right right exactly <laughs> yeah you I'm know and, and still i mean i'm still i'm still like convinced Cassie that this still is just, me i'm not killing people i do on a regular basis all the time you love it <laughs> which is probably another issue but <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding i am kidding all right so anyway so maybe there was some uh, some bullying when he was growing up and stuff but he eventually he grew into himself he got really tall he was like six foot and he did end up going down a path of delinquency it talked about that it didn't say when that started but in his like as he was getting older he did have quite a run-in with the law just like petty crime robbery blackmail burglary car car theft just minor minor things not good by any means but some minor criminal activity here but he had up to like 30 court appearances he did do time in barstall reformatory for a little while because of some of these crimes and he just continued as he grew he just kept doing these crimes it didn't matter like if he got caught or not and when he was uh, 16 he moved to london and i assume he moved away from his mom it didn't again specify that exactly but it seemed as though he had moved out on his own to london a couple of my sources said that he spent a lot of time at an arcade and in this arcade it was speculated that he may or may not have some run-ins with some gentlemen that were much too old to be pursuing him. But this also was... Predators. Yeah, predators. This was also not in every source I found. So 
I'll take that with a grain of salt as well, but it's possible that it could have happened. I just also want to say that Colin Ireland, he said he is a straight man. He never said he was gay by any means. In a lot of the sources I found, it was one way or the other. There, So there were four documentaries that I found. They're each about 45 minutes long. And they're great if you want to check it out to get some additional information. I found them on YouTube. One, The one that I'm going most off is the one that's a, an episode from Born to Kill. If you want to go and take a look at those, you can see kind of how the different psychologists and stuff speculate what they think could have caused him to go down this path. And some think maybe that he was struggling with gay feelings and being secretly homosexual. And then others didn't mention it at all. And they just said that he never stated that he was homosexual. Just to interrupt real quick here, that is the whole purpose of why we are starting a blog on our website is so we can put these sources in as well as more pictures and stuff. So definitely check out the website as a, just a little shameless plug real quick. <laughs> check it out because up in coming soon, there's going to be sources and the videos and movies and links that we used in our episodes if you do want more information. Also, I feel like internalized homophobia is... I don't know, maybe like popular, not popular, that sounded weird. <laughs> Internalized homophobia is, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Like common, common? I guess. Yeah. Common. Popular. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's so popular to be internalized. It's popular. It's so popular no, in the serial killer kids are doing. I feel like it's common for, which I obviously don't know the rest of the story, but based on our podcast, I can maybe assume that there may be some crimes against lgbtq people and i feel like a lot of times not necessarily murder but like bullying and stuff happens to people who are like considered gay or thought of as gay by other like like closeted like people who have internalized homophobia because they are probably gay but like for whatever reason they just want to be popular they just want to be popular yeah it's so popular (laughs) in the serial community serial killer community like it's the thing yeah. that I do. <laughs> oh my god! Just kidding. I don't See, even know okay. why. You can't sit with us unless you have internalized homophobia. Oh my god! See, we bully Kylie too, and we're so sorry, Kylie. We love We do, you. but she still loves me. She's Cassie tried to bully so me earlier like, when I was testing my mic, and then she was like, "I'm sorry, I can't do it to you." I, <laughs> she, I can't. Such a gentle bean. She's so sweet. She's like a little bunny rabbit. You just see it, and you're like, "You're so cute." <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Anyways, but yeah, for sure. I I mean, the where you're going with that, Kylie, that's exactly where some of these criminal psychologists in the documentaries that I watch kind of are going with it. They they did mention that oftentimes in cases where men are murdering women, you know, that's straight men murdering women. And it's because they have some sort of thing against these women and they've had bad experiences with women. And so it's a little odd for a straight man to go and murder only gay men, you know, or to to murder men in general, because typically straight men will murder women when they are serial killers. And that's just what they've found. It's not anything that's like, I'm not saying 100% this is what happens, this is how it is. But just from like, what they study is that they see this pattern. So they they do mention that that is kind of odd, and that's kind of why how some of them, they speculate that he may have had those internal thoughts. So anyways, but he did say that he was not homosexual, and he stood by that. He never came out as gay at any point in time. So he eventually marries 
a lady. He marries twice. So the first lady that he marries, her name is Virginia Zamet. And one source did claim that she was disabled. She was in a wheelchair and they were married for five years. One of the sources that I saw said that you know, he came off as a, a caregiver type. He seemed very, like, sweet, like that's what he wanted to do. And he had this person that he took care of. But it only lasted five years because she did catch him cheating. And so she did divorce him. Cheating Trash. A man. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> no, again, he did not ever claim to be. Yes to the trash, yeah. no to the man. <laughs> yes. Yes to the trash, no to the man. Because he never, never, ever claimed to be gay that we know of but he did marry um her and then they got divorced because he was cheating so later on in 1989 he went to devon to do a survival course so he really liked doing like outdoor hunting survival courses it was here in devon that he met a lady named janet young and she devon is that the name damn it yeah devon yeah damn it janet I love you. Like um, I'm just singing on this podcast. I've been interrupting with songs a lot. I'm gonna sing yeah, you, you, you're like living your own musical, your real life musical up in here. <laughs> Always. I feel Always. it. My brain is a musical all the time. Have you been watching that Schmigdoogle Can show? Can I interest you in everything all of the time? Schmigdoogle uh, show? What are you talking about? Schmigadoon. Schmigadoon. I Schmigadoon's oh. over. Schmigadoon's great. I love Schmigadoon. That's me all the time. If y'all haven't checked that out, you should. We're not going to go into that because we got to stay on track. But you should check it out. It's on <laughs> Apple TV. And it's a, it's a musical. Okay. So, yeah. It was Devin that he went to do this survival course in. And he met Janet Young. She owned a little pub there called The Globe Inn. She was on the documentary speaking personally. And she said that when he walked in, he just kind of filled the space. Everything kind of went quiet for us. It was almost like this moment where she was like in awe, I guess. He was only, he worked, he started working at the bar with her. She gave him a job and they started kind of dating. And only after three months, he asked her to marry him, which she was like, that's kind of weird, but she went for it. Uh, they got married man you just met right yeah after three months yeah but they got married so now she's married that was a frozen reference for anybody who didn't catch that i did not (laughs) i kept on rolling though but you did uh we are happy that disney's you know including things like that these days (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah after the three months they get married he continues working at this pub with her and only four months into their marriage he vanishes so he takes they plan a trip to go and visit her family and she does have a couple of kids i didn't look too much into like her specifically so that's information that if you guys want definitely check out like one of our other pages or blogs or patreon and maybe you can get some of that info but for right now we're just going to keep it she had a couple kids and so they were planning a trip to her mother's and they went up to her mom's house and he dropped them off and he left Well, they didn't think anything of it. You know, they thought he was just going to come back. Well, he never comes back. Come to find out, he takes off back to Devon. He goes to her pub, clears the pub out of all the money that she has, which was the equivalent of about 10,000 pounds, which is a Mm. substantial amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. I think I looked at the conversion, like $16,000. Damn. Yeah. And what's the year again? Uh, This was in the 50s. Okay, so that's like... poop ton yeah yeah i mean but she owned the pub so you know this what am i wrong did you say this was in the 50s 
Oh, well, this wasn't. I'm sorry. No, this was in the 80s. My bad. Oh, okay. I, was thinking. I was like, he was still in this as a child? <laughs> I, I told you guys it's going to get messy. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, oh, guys. 50s was when he was born. We are in the 80s now, almost the 90s. So, yeah. I mean, either way, still a substantial amount of money, but she owned the bar. So, you know, this was her entire savings, everything she has running the bar. So, understandable that it's a little bit higher. But he takes it all. And the weird thing is he also takes their wedding album. That's it. He steals all her money, takes the wedding album. She doesn't hear from him ever again. That's no clue. He was like, I'm going to take all your money, but I want to remember this. So um, let me have that album. Right. Too. Well, like, later in one of the documentaries I watched, uh, Janet speculates that the reason she thinks that he took the album was so that he would have something to show people to be like, look, I'm normal. Because he always felt like, you know, an outsider because he never settled down anywhere. He never belonged. And so it was like his way of being like, I'm normal. See, I was married once. I have the pictures. So that's what she said. He didn't say that. That was Janet saying that. Uh, And they were only married like, what, seven months? But no, four months they were married. They were only together about seven months. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, interesting, right? I think so too. But I think that that is a good guess on janet's part that that could be why so after he runs off from janet never speaks to her again she never sees him 1991 he moves to a place called south end on the sea in essex which is about an hour outside of london on the coast when he gets here he he doesn't he gets a job volunteering at a homeless shelter and while he's at this homeless shelter gets a job volunteering well, I, I know. I wanted to not say that he didn't have a job, but it wasn't really a job. But he, he was volunteering, so he wasn't really getting paid for it. But it was, no, what, he was, okay. it was what he was doing. So he volunteered okay. at this homeless shelter. He loved it, apparently. He was very passionate about it. And they, they said that this stemmed probably from him feeling like he needed to mean something he needed to have some sort of good impact on the world because he had such a shitty existence and he just wanted to do something to be to be somebody to do something better which that's he should have kept up that energy right yes should have kept that energy <laughs> Keep that same energy my dude right because there was some dark shit festering underneath yeah so yeah he i think he was torn he was torn between like almost two identities it sounds like to me where he one this one person wants to be this upstanding citizen, wants to give back and wants to do well and be somebody. And then there's this other guy who is just like psychopath, straight up. Like no explanation, just monster. So unfortunately, he he exhibits some weird behaviors that I guess aren't appropriate. It doesn't really go into detail about what those behaviors were. But he was finally let go from the shelter from volunteering, which that's pretty bad. Hmm. Okay. You let go from yeah, volunteering. You're not allowed think, to volunteer anymore. Yeah, I think yeah, he, just made, he just made people feel uncomfortable a lot. And this happened in some other jobs that he had as well, which, by the way, I did forget to mention. At one point in time, he did work as a bouncer at a gay club. And so mm-hmm. that's important just because he is familiar with that community. Yeah. It didn't say how long he'd worked there or anything. It was a very short, just like, he worked there during this time, but he wasn't there very long. But in the same thing, every job that he did work, it was kind of just the same thing, that people just didn't feel really comfortable around him. 
And so the same thing applied here at the homeless shelter, but he was eventually let go after they all got together and discussed it. And this was kind of like his like final straw. He felt extremely rejected. And I can imagine he's kind of felt rejected his whole life. His starting with his dad, you know, his dad left him before he even got a chance to know him. Instant rejection. He was falling into a lot of delinquency. I mean, and and his mom putting him up in foster care for that short period of time. You know, these are all things you're just going to, like, people are going to come off as rejecting you, and that's how you're going to feel, possibly. So so I can understand how he's feeling rejection. And so he did. So this was, like, his absolute final straw, and he kind of lost his shit. He, in his time after he got let go from volunteering, he read the book Whoever Fights Monsters by Robert K. Ressler which is a formal F, a former FBI agent, and he wrote a book about tracking down killers and how to lock them away and stuff and his personal experience. So this book goes into detail, like what you're supposed to look for exactly to a T. And so he read this. So he's like studying, like, oh, shit. Like, this is how I, this is, this is what they're looking for in a serial killer. And just Why by reading this. Why would someone ever put that out there? Like, it is a like literally even in this case a first-hand thing of like what not to do right i feel like it's for sickos like us because we find it yeah, interesting right. yeah that's true i do yeah. we do always joke that like kylie could definitely take me out because of all the true crime she listens to like she Whatever. knows if she really wanted to get rid of me no one would ever find me again kylie time. rose out of bed and like her <laughs> her echo or her dot just like immediately comes on and is like hello kylie so would you like to resume off. your murder her alarm is just like the intro to morbid <laughs> no <laughs> Wait, it's, you know, it's like sunday morning breakfast and i'm like hey let's cook pancakes and like listen to queen or like i don't know sunday morning by maroon five and kylie's like what about the new morbid episode and it's like 8 a.m <laughs> and and it's way too early for this i have this like really weird moment the other day i've been on a crochet journey everybody and the other day i was sitting for a blanket we'll get in approximately one year look i already have like a foot done maybe less and how many feet are we shooting for like five and how long have we taken us for one foot uh less than a month Mm, i'm not sure i'm not sure kaka I've only been here for six weeks. And I'm just picking on her. (laughs) But anyway, I had this like weird moment where I was sitting here listening to true crime podcast crocheting. And I was like, this is (laughs) completely opposite right now. We've been joking because Kylie is in a, uh, she's staying with some roommates for a school thing. And they frequently just like crochet and drink tea and watch like old movies so <laughs> i've been calling them super like old ladies because that's all they do and now we've got kylie cro- and cro- like she's been crocheting a lot and so now she's crocheting but she's like uh, i still gotta bring my murder into this so let me drink my tea watch the little vampire while i crochet but also let me put my earbuds in and listen to the newest morbid episode <laughs> it's fine it's quite the dynamic it's beautiful it's just as beautiful as making Sunday pancakes with murder blaring in the background instead of Freddie Mercury, but that's okay. It wouldn't be a Sunday morning without murder. <laughs> right. No, so this so, is why if I ever go missing, um, everybody just uh, disclaimer here. You don't know my last check, name. Check, <laughs> check out Kylie. Cassie does. I do. 
I do. Well, I'll, I'm probably going to be going missing, too. Damn. Nah, oh, shit. Be in Ky- Kylie's going to go read this damn book now. Forever Fights Monsters by Robert K. Ressler. Don't tell her the name again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But that just, you know, bear, that's just the answer to your question, Kylie. There's people out there who are interested in this stuff for God only knows why. We, we're interested in things we don't understand. So, yeah. That that is why you know it does seem like why would he do that? And honestly, I would I would hope maybe that after this whole situation, that maybe FBI agents and stuff have dialed down on the book writing about it. But who knows? I doubt <laughs> it. So he did his research. He's feeling rejected. He's down. He's reading books. He's got more than just well that read. Book. Right? Yeah, he's educated, man. Um, <laughs> after he reads this book and he was rejected from this job and stuff. The year is 1993, and it is January 1993. I just want to ask. I want to just stop before I continue. What 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 New Year's resolutions did you guys have this year? Of like Any? 2021. Um, yeah, yeah. Coming into 2021, what New Year's resolutions did you make? Just one. Uh, to survive. Good one. T. <laughs> to to take you care can't... of my mental health and not be depressed anymore. There you go, right? Same. I same resolution. Maybe get into shape. I don't know. Go to freaking Costa Rica. That's always Too my bad resolution. We're doing that next year. Yeah, but it's still happening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> details, minor details. Anyway, so these are normal, like workout, getting better health, take better care of myself. Oh gosh, what was his know? New Year's resolution? Oh y'all, I see where you're going with this. Yes. Okay, so homie's New Year's resolution, and I swear to goodness this is what was in all of the sources. This was. His mother's information might not have been in there. His exact childhood timeline might not have been. But this was in every single one. He made a New Year's resolution going into 1993 to become a serial killer after he read that book. What? Love that. Yeah. To be a serial killer. He decided he wanted to be somebody because he struggled with this not being anyone not being important being rejected and he decided like, after go to school become a doctor like, right no not <laughs> an homeless. option not he already tried that he got rejected not an option oh so he reads that book he decides this is how i'm gonna become somebody i'm gonna be a serial killer so now you can oh. kind of see where he is just completely a psychopath right like that was absolutely ridiculous total psycho he he says he's gonna become a a serial killer in january 1993 new year's resolution and this is where it gets crazy so if you need a refill go for it i want to say i'm drinking like ghost pines cab right now i felt like it was fitting because it's like spooky season and also y'all i think it's a full moon out tonight oh i need to set my intentions yeah, I, I'm pretty Charge sure it crystals. is. Hell yeah, we love the full moon. It was huge earlier today too. It was like it looked like straight up harvest moon. Like it was. You know, like, is that why my kids were acting like crackheads today? Oh, for <laughs> sure. And if it's not today, it's tomorrow. Like it, I might be off a day, but it's big enough to be considered. Of course. So it because I'm a messy Mercury queen. gets out of Gatorade but, and throws us straight into a full moon. Yeah, no, it was big and beautiful. I loved it. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get this ghost pines. Keep it spooky. Nice. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, get your, get your drinks, refill your tea, get your favorite blanket out. <laughs> Go crochet. 
Crochet. Get them crochet needles ready. Kylie's like, I oh, yeah, am brother. crocheting while we're doing Kylie's this. like, I'm crocheting right now. In this moment. <laughs> it's it's actually, it's like a, I mean, I, I kind of get it, though, because it's kind of like a sweet and sour moment, you know? You've got this sweet, relaxing thing of crocheting while you're listening to this very stressful thing. Murder. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a balance. Life is all about balance. The yin and the yang, my friends. The yin and the yang. Yeah, Kylie's got it figured out. Kylie's perfectly balanced. She's like, Monday or Sunday morning pancakes, murder, perfect balance, harmony. That's what we need. (laughs) Kylie's living in 2030, and we're back here in 2021. Ahead of the game. She's way ahead of her. Well before her time. I smacked my mic. I'm so sorry. Uh, always with the commentary. Get it together. Kylie's always beating herself up during these podcasts. <laughs> I apologize. I'm so sorry. All right, guys. Are you guys are you guys ready to hear about these tragic tragic murders? It is tough. I want to just put that out there. We we know this is explicit. There's going to be some really difficult things to hear in this case. Some triggers possibly. So just be prepared. Take it easy. Stretch if you got to. So he ends up murdering five people. He had told himself, I guess from the information he read in the book, that you had to murder at least five people or you would not be considered a serial killer. That's how dead. That's how dead set he was on giving himself the name of a serial killer. So he does go on to murder five innocent people and yes they are all from the gay community the area that he frequents so he lives in south end by or south end on the sea and that again i said was about an hour away from london so this area that he frequents is in london and it's called earl's court which i found some really interesting stuff about earl's court i mean it's been like publicized in so many ways going back to the 40s the 60s uh, things have been filmed in Earl's Court it's a really popular place and over the time it slowly morphed into kind of this gay community okay so, so just a few things about it so in Earl's Court the pub he goes to is called Colhern's Pub and it is a notoriously known gay bar it did not start as a gay bar, but it slowly did become a gay bar, and it was located at 261 Old Brompton Road. By the 30s, drag had started kind of going into it, and then by the 50s, slowly it started becoming more of a gay bar, and then by the 70s, it was just full-on considered a gay pub. And also a leather bar and for people that don't know what a leather bar is it's kind of like a s&m type place which is i'm going to butcher this does anyone want to say it for me sadomasochist is that right do y'all know that's right sadomasochist yeah yeah so that that's what that's what s&m is and i'm very bad at pronouncing words so that i'm not the person that yeah same but that's like that's that's a tough one so forgive us audience if we butchered that but sadomasochism is pretty much the the act of like torture and it it causing an arousal so they use torture kind of like what you think of like bdsm or when you think of you know dominant 
yeah, kind of Fifty Shades of Grey kind of stuff. Like it, they they need that whole like top and bottom or dominant and submissive, and they get off on you know kind of this torture aspect. So that's what that is. So leather bars were associated with that. So that's kind of what this bar was about, and it was even to where they would color code handkerchiefs to kind of show what exactly they were into or if they were considered a dominant or a submissive. And the pub was really, it was for people to mingle and essentially go home with each other and have a good time at this time in the the 70s and stuff in the 80s and 90s. That that's kind of what the culture was at these bars. So that is what happened at the Colhern pub. But also, so just to kind of show how like notorious this pub is, it is said that people such as Freddie Mercury attended this bar and also that he lived in the Earl's Court area along with a couple of other people as well. So it was like it was a really popular place. It was known how fancy. for yeah, like it, my it, boy Freddy. Yeah, it, it was kind of cool. I think that even in Earl's Court, they had filmed part of American Werewolf in London. Just like a lot mm, of cool okay. stuff associated with this bar. So yeah. it's like, it's kind of unique that this is the bar that he chose because you would think that there would be such a like eye on this place that like has all yeah. of these like significant like people that go to there, it. That presence. Like people are watching it. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so some very interesting stuff there. There were also a couple of other murder cases that had victims that came from this pub, which was weird, like two others. Again, that is information we can get to in other areas. I don't want to really focus on that right now, but I just found that really interesting because it's like how many murders, like different serial killer murders have to happen at one place before you like just decide maybe i should just look at this place right like i don't know because because his case his case was the last one that i have read about so it's like okay like the other ones were like in the early 70s and the early 80s and this is happening in 1993 so anyways advertise that on their sign right like people were murdered here serial killers (laughs) frequent here come on uh, in right but at least you would know as like the police you would think like we have yeah, these you cases think the police that would, like, happen be around that area maybe a little more a lot because yeah. honestly i can't really speak for uh mr ireland here but he I, it feels like he probably was like what's the most popular gay bar in london and went there yeah because that's the way it's exactly and and for some obscene reason he got away with it for a while the first night that his first murder takes place is march 8th 1993 And so he actually does say in an interview, which you can find interview tapes all over the place, that if he would have not been approached, he probably wouldn't have done anything at all. Interesting. But of course. At least that night. Jeez. Right? Yeah. Like, I was like, okay. So anyways, unfortunately, he was. This was his New Year's resolution. Like, he was going to do something eventually. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he might not got approached that time, but he would have approached, gotten approached another time. He would have just kept trying. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't even try and tell us that that's why. Like, oh, I was approached, so I went ahead and did it. Like, yeah, I would have He was approached, that's what, yeah, no, that's. Yeah, no, (laughs) this was already in his brain. 
to do this. What happened was, so he gets to the Colhern. He enters in a side door because he's aware that the front door might be videotaped. He has a bag of freaking ridiculous things like rope and your typical items that you might want to murder somebody with. Okay, so question. He's saying that if he wouldn't have been approached, he maybe wouldn't have done anything. That's what he said. But he's going in the back door, the side door, to not be seen, and he has a bag of, like, murdered items. Yeah, like gloves, cord, handcuffs, change of clothes. Mm, He was just trying to be popular. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, so in these types of bars where people are looking for this whole, like, dominant, submissive business. Oh, yeah, that's fair. It is, like, a sadist, like, bar. It would be hard to even question that, I would see. Like, some hand, like, maybe if he had, like, a knife or something, yeah. then that would be, like, okay, that's a little but, extreme. Like, but, even then, really... there's knife play. Yeah, like, I mean. People are into that. Yeah, so who who's to what? say? So, so he has, well, I don't I just know say about... what? Knife play. What did you say? I said, but even then, there's knife play. Like, people are into that. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear knife, and I was like, what are you saying? Oh, sorry. (laughs) Ireland walks in through the side door, as we discussed, and he does have his bag of goodies, and we were talking about how, like, you know, maybe that isn't such a big deal in a place like this, and, like, what it kind of stands for and what what goes down here uh, with the SMM. S-N-M. Sorry, guys. So he, he doesn't stand out that much. Like, he's this tall guy. They probably see guys like him all the time. Like, you know, he's he looks like he is the dominant type. And, of course, he is approached by a submissive man who he does represent himself as. A, he tells him that he is submissive because they kind of have this, this talk before, you know, things go down. The so, guy that approaches him tells him he's submissive. Yeah, so they get in a conversation, okay. and he lets him know, like, hey, I am submissive, and they kind of go through that. This man's name is Peter Walker, and he was 45 years old. He was a choreographer and a theater director. He of had course. just, yeah, and he had just recently been hired in West End. He was working on a musical, City of Angels. He was a regular at the Colhern. He had two dogs. One was a white German shepherd named Sammy, and the other was a oh. black, yeah. The other was a black lab named Bessie. My freaking heart. I know, right? And it was later said from some friends that he was kind of a lonely guy and that the reason he had his two dogs was because he didn't want to go home to an empty flat. And we can all understand that because we all have dogs. We all have mm-hmm. animals <laughs> of all the kinds. Like, the more the merrier. So, I get it. So, sadly, he was pretty lonely, and he was frequenting the Colhern to potentially find somebody, which is heart-wretching, because he... That is he, so heart-wretching. With this, he just wanted someone to come be dads with his dogs, hang out. Right, you know? And, like, yes, it had this stigma. It was S&M, and it was, like, a hookup culture and stuff. Well, yeah, but, but you're into what you're into. Like, that's not yeah. crime. And, yeah, and... And being the fact that, like, at this point in time and being homosexual, I'm sure his options were limited as to where he could go and find people that were interested in what he was interested in and who could relate with him because we didn't necessarily have Bumble and Tinder or Grinder. Like, this is what they had. They, yeah, you know, it still wasn't a very, like, massively public accepted 
way of life. So understandable. This is where he goes. This is where he feels comfortable. And he was hoping one day that maybe he would find somebody. Well, he made the unfortunate decision to approach Ireland in the bar that night. And again, this is March 8th of 1993. They talked, they figured each other out, and they shortly after left together to go to his flat. He lived not far away from the bar, so it didn't take very long for them to get there. When they got back to the apartment, Ireland immediately put the dogs in another room, which, honestly, weird. Like, I don't care if we're submissive or dominant. Uh, that's off limits. You don't tell. You don't put my dogs anywhere. You don't, you don't tell my dogs where to go, okay? My dogs tell you where to go. If they're laying on the couch, you sit on the floor, right? It's just it's how it rolls. Right. Exactly. So, anyways, so he puts him, he puts the dogs in another room and closes the door. And then uh, Walker gets undressed. Honestly, though, I will say that I appreciate in this moment that he did that because assuming that I know what comes next, no dog needs to witness that. Well, yeah, no, definitely agreed. I'm just saying if someone showed up to my house and was like, we need to put your dogs in another room, I'd be like, no. Yeah, right. They, and you would... don't put my dogs in another room. No one puts baby in the corner. They're fine, and you can just hang out with them. So that's what I was right. talking about. But I definitely am glad that they did not have to witness that. So I agree with you a thousand percent on that. I follow. Right, yeah, they should not have. And, and one can say, like, that maybe that is normal, too, with this whole, like, S&M stuff is that it might rile them up or something or scare them. Not so fair. it might be common, but at the same time, you would think that Peter would have put them in another room, not the person who just got there who doesn't know you barely and doesn't know your dogs. Right. Agreed. So so that part's weird for me, but yes, I am thankful he put the dogs away so that they would not witness this, but honestly, it was probably more for his benefit because I feel like my Tinka would bite somebody's pecker off. Just saying. Oh, yeah. yeah, true. Also, yeah, they definitely would have <laughs> probably been like, what the fuck are you doing to my dad? And attacked it. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. After Ireland put the dogs away in another room, Walker proceeds to undress himself. And then Ireland ties him up to his bedpost. And his exact words for how he tied him up in an interview was, he trussed him up like a chicken. What? That's so dehumanizing. That's disgusting. That's literally like all lack of humanity. Yeah, and so if you look up the videos of the interviews he did with the police, like, you see his facial expression. There is just nothing. Like, he does not care at all. He is, like, Dude, almost... I can't imagine. That's... Oh. Making light of this. I trust him up like a chicken is what he Trust said. as in, like... Like, tied him up. you? I just feel like trust is a weird word to use. Like, what is trusting what? a chicken? Well, so, like, trusting a chicken, it's not trust with a, a T, it's it's trust, T-R-U-S-S, and so it's the, the way that you tie together, like, a chicken, like, that you're going to roast in the oven, you tie together its legs and, and its wings and stuff so that it's it's together and stays in kind of a uniform way for you to roast it when you put it in the oven, which makes us all, like, entirely more disgusting that you said it that way. <laughs> I just am imagining, like, the turkey on Thanksgiving when you, like, undo it so you can yeah. cook your turkey. 
that's exactly what it's like yeah so that's yeah. what trusting is and so mm -hmm. it's, it sounds like it's with the t sometimes but it's with it's not without the t it's it's trust trust sorry i yeah. should make trust it. Trust. Gotta enunciate. Trust no. him up like a chicken, which yeah. is just disgusting. I felt disgusting saying that. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, no, it's sick. It's totally, totally sick. So he has him tied up to his bed right now, and he proceeds to start beating him with his fist, with a belt, just straight up beating him. And so at this point, it's like, okay, maybe Walker's used to some very physical foreplay. And so it's not even at this point that he realizes he's even in danger. After he beats him a, up a little bit, which I'm not trying to make a lot of that, he beats him, but he leaves the room. He goes into the kitchen, which that's also fucking weird. Doesn't say anything, just goes to the kitchen. Comes back with a plastic bag. He puts the plastic bag over Walker's head and he holds it there for a short period of time. And then he removes it. So he's pretty much taunting his victim. And telling him how easy it would to be to end his life at that moment. And oh, at this so point. Gross. That's so right. gross. That's so fucked up. Yeah. Right. And so at this point, poor Walker's tied to his bed. He just got like, like strangled for a little bit. And this guy's joking that I could, I could kill you at any moment. And so now it's like starting, is this still foreplay? Is this just like you just going a little further than I'm used to? But he's he's getting scared. Like, of course, I would be scared. I wouldn't get in this position in the first place because it's just not my thing. But <laughs> I would it's be scared. Enough. I would be yeah. scared. <laughs> After that, he, unfortunately, he does eventually strangle him completely. And later on, again, with just the sick details of his interview, he tells the police that when Walker asked if he was going to die, he told him that he was. And he sincerely felt that Walker wanted to die. That he oh. was giving up and that he could sense that. And that he thought he, he met this he, man like this night. It's yeah, not no. like they've been best friends forever. And like yeah. also like yeah, maybe he wanted to die after you like fucking beat him and tied him up and and taunted his life in front of him with a plastic bag over he probably wanted it to end that doesn't mean he wanted to die that night like what also right. most I like bdsm has like safe words and shit and there's no way that like him going into that sexual encounter that he didn't like say okay hey this is my safe word and then use it so like no that in and of itself would be like first of all non-consensual and second of all torture yeah, that's a disgusting thing to say because he did not go in there that night into that club thinking he he went in there to find a freaking co-daddy to his dads, his dogs. Yeah, his dads, his co-daddy to his dads, co-daddy to his dogs. Correction. <laughs> so yeah, it said like that's that's what he went in there for. So no, he didn't want to freaking die that night. He just wanted you to stop torturing him. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, that's so disgusting. And. The thing is, is that Ireland was thinking that he wanted to die because apparently he just didn't put up enough of a struggle. But Ireland was like a six foot two man and burly. Like, he just put this bag over your head to taunt you and told you he could kill you. Like, yeah, I would probably keep trying to fight, but I, I, don't, I don't know much. What, what, what can you do? You're tied up. 
it was in his head. He was just trying to make himself feel better, I feel like, about what he was doing. Like saying that, oh, I think think that he just wanted to die. I can sense it. It's just another disgusting thing. And he says many disgusting things. So that's just who he is. And it just makes him seem more and more of a monster every time we hear something that he says in these interviews. Yeah. He finally ends the game he that he was playing, which I say game lightly, I mean, because it was a game to him. I don't feel like it was a game. It's terrible, but for him, this was kind of a game. He, yeah, exactly. You know, we talked, he suffocated him, so now Walker, unfortunately, is deceased. And he proceeds to burn Walker's pubic hair. What? What? Yes. He told the police that this was because he was curious to know what it smelled like. That's gross. Burning hair all smells the same, okay? Yeah, so like maybe like his hair on his head, or maybe like shave your own head and burn it if you're curious. Right. Or like like, on your birthday, dip your pigtail into your birthday candles and then you'll know. Right. Not (laughs) speaking from experience. Like it's a whole from experience. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Oh, Kylie, <laughs> your actual pigtail. I was thinking you were using that as like a metaphor. Oh, I, I was totally <laughs> lost. Set herself on fire as a child is what she's telling us. <laughs> oh goodness, Kylie. We love you. We love you, you little cute rabbit. <laughs> cute little rabbit. <laughs> you cute little rabbit with your burnt little ear. Crazy. Okay. So he, he burns the pubic hair. He tells the police it was because he wanted to know what it smelled like, which we all have agreed is just disgusting and what. After Ireland murdered Peter Walker and burnt his pubic hair for whatever crazy reason so he told weird. himself. Yeah, right. Sick. He he kind of does like a sweep of the apartment. He kind of rifles through his things. And this part was kind of speculated. It was only about 50% of my sources that I found. But some of the evidence points to this maybe being the case that we will get to in uh, further along as we go. But he found documents, apparently, that Peter Walker was HIV positive. And this Ooh. absolutely enraged him because he was like, this guy was going to have sex with me. And he didn't even tell me this. So even though You're going to murder him. Yeah, well, even though Peter's dead already, he's pissed because he's like, this guy, if I hadn't murdered him, he was going to have sex with me. But he probably would have, like, maybe told you right before it was going to happen. Like, you don't know that yet. And so what maybe like (laughs) and and so he but he was pissed so the way he leaves this victim is different than some of the other victims there's only one other victim that he leaves them in a different kind of way so it kind of does lead you to believe that maybe that was the case even if i you know the the sources were kind of like spacey on this little bit of information for this victim but it, it does kind of seem that way just because these two particular victims had a significant different experience afterwards the way he like positioned them and stuff. So how this victim was found, he was found with a con with condoms shoved in his mouth and his nostrils. 
And he was what? Pos- yeah, shoved in his mouth and his nostrils. And he was he had two teddy bears positioned on his body in a sixty nine position. Interesting. So like very like calculated way he left this body and that is different than how some of the other victims were found. So the fact that maybe he was HIV positive and it triggered him to do like something else like and I can I can feel like the condoms are kind of like a fuck you, you should use condoms, you know type of thing yeah so it, it just made him makes like sense. decimate the body more because he was so enraged yeah, yeah. for sure yeah and so you know it kind of makes sense that this this person and finding the evidence that he might have been hiv positive is accurate but again that was only in about 50 percent of the sources i found that it was mentioned that he that peter walker was hiv positive afterwards so this becomes a common trend as well he actually, so he does a full sweep of the, the crime scene. He cleans it very thoroughly. He obviously spent a lot of time researching this stuff. He cleans up really well. And then this is the other thing that is just like, what? He sits with the body until the morning. Like six hours, sits with the body and just watches TV, hangs out, kills time. Because he told That's the police. That's so weird. Yeah. Well, he told the police that if he were to have left at that hour with the things he had on him, if he ran into a police officer, immediately he would have been caught. So his idea was clean it all up, leave when people are going to work and everything, blend in with the crowd, toss my stuff, and I'll be good to go. I won't stand out. So he would sit with his victims and just hang out, watching TV, doing... Doing whatever, like with a body, That's literally. So freaking weird. Right next to him, yeah. Because also, not only like is that just weird psychologically speaking, but it's weird because like that that totally destroys like your alibi, because like no one's gonna see you for six plus hours. Like most most like serial killers that are trying to have an alibi are gonna like go and try to go to a coffee shop or something to be like, yeah. oh no, I wasn't there that night. But if you're just going to sit there for six hours and, like, literally no one can contest to where you were during this time, you're de- completely destroying your alibi. That's so freaking, like, stupid. He read a you're book. You're also leaving, like, so much more evidence behind by just, like, hanging out. Yeah, exactly. But also, this kind of makes me think about the Bruce MacArthur thing, because we talked about with Bruce MacArthur how he would go back to Karen's house and, like, have lunch knowing that the bodies were around in the planters and stuff. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. It's, that's interesting. Hmm. And the Night Stalker, right? Is that the one that would, like, stack plates on people and, like, tell them not to move? And then, like, I have lunch? I'm not super familiar. I, 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 I don't think I finished the whole Night Stalker series, so I'm not super familiar with it. Gotcha. But, yeah, no, that's just, that's that's ridiculous. That's, that's one, like, kind of stupid. And two, just gross. Like, what? Ew. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, and this is how us rational people would think. Obviously, this wasn't the case because he went along to kill four more people and was not caught yet. The kicker is here is that after this all happened, so uh, also, let me just backtrack. His his method was he would he would wait with the victim until the morning. He'd leave and go out with like the morning crowd. And he would toss his items out, like 
he tossed them in the batters off of the Battersea Bridge to the Thames and I think I'm pronouncing that correctly if I'm not I am so sorry so kind of like a river he would throw his stuff off of and then he also took a train home because again he was an hour away from London is where he lived so on the train he would toss things off as well so they would just kind of be dispersed sporadically and he would just buy new things every time so so that was his method and you would think the police would find some forensic evidence but i guess not this wasn't the case with these situations it even came down to two days had passed and the murder had still not been like put in newspapers or anything and so hold on to your seats guys are you ready for this no lay it on us i guess (laughs) so he calls the samaritans which what from from what i understood the samaritans was like a i it kind of seemed like a hotline of like information and okay. he also like crime stoppers or something here in the u.s something like that right and so okay. he tells the samaritans that he knows that there's some dogs that are locked up in a room and they've been there for a couple of days and someone should really go check on them and he even tells them that the owner was dead and that he killed them. What? Did they, like, report that? Did they, did they, Could like, they I mean, track... no, this is, like, a crime thing, but did they track, the... yeah, did they yeah, track that so down? so the Samaritans must have just been like, what? This is a crazy person, because it did not say that they reached out to anybody immediately. They may have reached out to the police, but still, like, he was able to call the Sun newspaper as well. And he told them pretty much the same thing. He said... What that, the fuck? Yeah, so he told them that the victim was a homosexual and was into kinky sex. And he even said to them, you like that stuff, don't you? Like, what? That's one, disgusting. To the Sun? Yes, to the Sun, which is a newspaper. Like... Like a crazy. Like, did they just like, think that the, that they think he was prank calling them. I guess so. I don't know. Like the the documentaries and stuff that I looked into, they did like eventually report it to the police, and an investigation did open up, but it still just did not go as far as you would imagine. So That's crazy. You've had a literal you confession know, twice, right? Yeah, so, like, you guys are talking about him leaving evidence and stuff, but then he literally calls and tells on himself because two days have passed and nothing and was put in the papers. he didn't get the pleasure of seeing it. He didn't get the recognition he felt he deserved for what he Because he wanted done. to fucking be popular. Exactly. <sighs> so, on that note... We are going to have to cut this one off. We're already kind of far into it. The rest of the murders, we do have four more victims that we have to go through. And again, like there's that whole HIV thing and raging. And I'm telling you guys, it gets just much crazier from here on out. I mean, if your minds aren't already blown by the fact that he, what he did, what he did, how he positioned the person and then calling these like news outlets and Samaritan to like tell on himself. If you're not, please come back next week and finish this story with us. Learn about the rest of the victims and their tragic murders. Yes, please that is join us. Uh, 
That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That's crazy. Yeah, so like this is why we're going to have to cut it short because I feel like everybody needs to digest just how this is starting. Yeah, that's a lot to take in and it's only one victim. I can only imagine what's coming with our next four. Like if it's anything even similar to this, like, oh my freaking goodness. Yeah. yeah, and it and it's, it's just like it's so chilling how calculated it is. Like he's doing everything, like he he knows what he's doing, and he knows what his like goal is, and it is just so calculated and it's so cold. Ugh. Man, that's sick. Well, all right, so I guess on that note, please, 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 please consider rating us on any platform that you can apple podcast lets you rate us and leave reviews i don't know if the other ones do because that's the only one i have i don't know if you guys know maybe if the other ones do. <laughs> yeah facebook facebook lets you review us and so you can listen to our podcast on facebook as well so please consider doing that and leaving some feedback good bad but like be nice if it's bad like constructive, constructive. criticism yeah yeah we're be, sensitive yeah Tell us how to improve it because, like, we're sensitive beings. I know we're talking about, they're like, you're not sensitive. You're talking about freaking murder. We're sensitive still. And so uh, be nice when you leave it. Leave it if you have it. And we also have a new website, queerfiercepodcast.com, that you can check out. And we will be starting a blog on there that will have sources, more pictures than what we post on just our social media accounts. We've got Instagram at Queer Fears Podcast and Facebook is also at Queer Fears Podcast. And I'm only going to say those ones right now because those are the main ones we use. So uh, there's really not a point in saying the others at this moment. There's also a contact form on our website if you wanted to reach out to us with comments, feedback, or recommendations. And so you can go there and to the Contact Us tab on our website and leave some feedback there. You can also email us at queerfears at queerfearspodcast.com <laughs> perfect all right anything else you guys want to add? i think that that is all for me i got real boozy it's a tough cool. one all good yeah. all good it's all good here take in well guys so remember there's always going to be assholes out there in this world but stay queer and never live in fear <laughs>